And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes one of the most creative comedic musicians to emerge from the West Coast, Mike Furman. With his humble self-released ditties, Furman's capacity for brilliant satire also extends to a penchant for overblowing benign subjects such as breakfast, street meat, and children's games. Whatever subject is at his whim, he consistently extracts a hilarious and addicting adventure. An early interview between Matt and Furman concerning his first album, The Very Last Songs I Will Ever Record, Part 1, can be found in the link below. Ever since the release of that album in May 2010, Furman has released a series of one-shots, which can all be found on his Bandcamp page, amongst them his latest single, What Makes the Breakfast. This time around, Matt and Furman discuss the process behind writing a great comedy music song, Furman's many influences, how certain tracks came together, and finally, the peculiar position he is placed in as a full-time family man, thus caught between writing funny kids songs and writing funny songs for adults. So without further ado, here's Matt Storm and Mike Furman. Hey, Mike. How are you, man? Good. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's been a whopping five years since we last spoke. Are you serious? Well, I saw you once on tour a couple years later, I think. But um, the first phone interview I ever did was with you back in 2010 when my website was a lowly little blog. And I transcribed the whole thing. That's right. I remember. I mean, I definitely remember the. Uh, I just didn't realize it's been five years. My God. Twenty ten. You had only had one baby very recently, and the album right. had just come out. Now I hear you have two babies. I have had a couple of things come out now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, there's a five year old and a three year old. Wow. Mm. How's fatherhood treating you? Uh, good. It's good. No, it's uh, the productivity. It's a killer, you know. I, I, that's back when I was, you know, putting out an album because I had that kind of time. And now it's the same amount of energy goes into making a song just because of the amount of time I actually get out here. Yeah. Very little I say here. I'm in the music studio, uh, which is why it took me so long to call you. I uh, my phone battery is like a percent away from dying, so I had to run inside and grab our like spare landline phone and run back in and plug it in like it's. 1976, but wow. I'm on an actual corded phone right now. It feels very weird. I didn't know they still made those. I don't think they do. I think we've got this one for like a garage sale, just in case. The idea being like, you know, there's an earthquake or something like that, we would have. Some way actually, Yeah. Although now I think about it, we're on digital anyway. It's like it goes through a digital AT&T thing. So, uh, in fact, I would think a satellite a cell phone would probably be better than a landline if there's an earthquake, right? Because they have maybe it's farther away. Probably. I don't know. Maybe. Let's say yes. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? The internet tells us we're wrong? Yeah, exactly. Um, how's it going with you? How's, how's, uh, how's the uh, the show going? Good. Um, so since, since we last spoke, I now have two podcasts. One that I do weekly. It's an album review show with two co-hosts. And we uh, review an album every week. Every month we bring on a guest and they bring an album. And that's been a lot of fun. And cool. um, I've Any also, genre or, or just and, anything? Any genre. It's... Uh, 
it's we we tend to each choose stuff that we more lean to but when we bring a guest they sometimes blow us out of the water and we've recently started getting fan requests too so like my favorite album of last year was actually something a fan recommended which was nice all right what was that that was um, a man named Owen Paulette and his album In Conflict. He's kind of like a composer, singer, songwriter from Canada. And it was a lot of, it was kind of a lot of indie music, but mixed with orchestration and, and, and various instrumentation and great vocals. It was just, it was a very eclectic and unique record that I really latched on to. Owen um, Paulette. Yes, Owen Paulette. P-A-L-L-E-T-T. Um Perfect. Yeah, you should. I think you'd dig it. Um, and also besides that, of course, the website's been doing well. It's now an official dot com. It looks like like a legit website, not a, you know, 18 year old blog roll. So that's, that's right. always nice. Um, and then so the second show I started is the one that you are on as we speak. It's uh, called Crash Chords Autographs. And it's more or less the same thing we did five years ago, except now I don't have to write it down. I can just save it after we're done talking and then put it online. That is possibly oh nice there you go. Um, that is probably the handiest thing about uh, having a show. But imagine is that you uh, you have conversations with people, but you don't have to do what I have to do, which is to go. Actually, I don't have to either. Uh, jot down something you are recommended or something like that. You can just go back and you know, basically all these conversations are recorded, so you have them on file to reference. If you're like, what was that thing you were talking about? I'll just go listen to it. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Exactly. I don't remember. We don't have. Uh, I wasn't recording us at the time. <laughs> yeah, mem uh, memories have... for adults are going to go shorter and shorter and shorter as the years go on because we don't have to really remember anything. We just right. we just record or write or you know digitally save everything. That's what Ray Kurzweil says. <laughs> so um, I heard the new song that just came out, which I loved. Um, I, I, my my first question was going to be actually because I did also reread the interview that we did five years ago and realized that a lot of my greatest tips questions-wise were reached there. So I'm just going to assume nobody read that and ask you some of them anyway. <laughs> but, I can't even quite remember it, so I'd be curious to go read it too. Or you can just re-ask them right now. Um, it would be funny if you asked me some of these, like, who are your influences? And they're totally different now. It, it would so, be. It would be like you could just pull up the article and be like, no, I'm not going to tell them that one. I'm going to tell them this one instead. Um, so I'm, of course, a huge fan of your music and your work. I love the full record, the last songs I will ever ever make volume a uh, part one which it's funny because i've shared it with a lot of my friends and they love it and then they just go well, when's part two coming out right and it's like facepalm that's the bit right. that's the gag right. yeah um but i was curious if you do have a full length in the works i know you say you don't have a ton of time with the kids but um are you working on a full length release or are you just going to stick to putting out single songs as they come up well these days i am doing uh i'm it's so uh it takes, like I said, it takes a long time to work on stuff. So when I'm done with something, you know, if it's like this song, the, uh, the, what makes the breakfast, um, what makes a breakfast? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't like saying breakfast. I'm a fan of breakfast. I do like saying breakfast. Um, it, uh, that took, you know, months to make. And then when it was done, it just kind of feels like, you know, like the, the ones before it, I don't want to just have it sitting on my computer for what could be another year or two until there's enough to constitute an album. So why have them just sitting here? Why not put them out? And at least they're, you know, maybe on the radio or maybe they're, you know, they're just being listened to in general. But, you know, it also kind of feels like um, the album, I, I will, I'll still, when they're all done, put them all together on an album, I'll probably pull them all off of iTunes and then that same day upload them all as an album. Mm -hmm. But eventually it'll be an album. It's just the idea of waiting and just having them sit there you know, waiting for a year or two or three. I mean, who, people might not even be eating breakfast by the time this record comes out. So 
Who knows? That's true. Or they may have a completely different name for it instead of breakfast or breakfast. Yeah, exactly. It might be, uh, yeah, if we've, if we've merged with another country, it can be like Firefly, where now we say it in Chinese. I don't know. <laughs> um, if only it were but, like uh, Firefly. What's that? I said, if only life were like Firefly. Well, hopefully life won't be canceled too soon. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're back to Ray Kurzweil. Um, but the uh, yeah, so the uh, the thing about you know albums is I, I this the stuff I'm doing now is kind of a collection that I'm I'm basically calling it what the album will be, which is uh, songs to sing at children. <laughs> but you know, so I, I just say whenever I put them out, I just go, I hear it from my from my ongoing project, songs to sing to children. And then when it's done, well, hey, everybody, new album. Guess what it's called? <laughs> and, I, and then I'll call it uh, the very last songs I'll ever sing. Uh, part negative one? No. So, <laughs> yeah, but then as far but as far as an adult, you know, like, and that's actually you're catching me in the middle of uh, three things. One, I'm tethered to a wall, which feels really weird. I feel like a junkyard dog having an actual phone line, and I'm. It hasn't occurred to me how long it's been since I was on the phone line. Um, two, uh, it's kind of cold in here. And so if I sound like I'm uh, extra nervous, it's because I'm freezing. Um, and three, uh, yeah, there's there's kind of a um, – I'm kind of trying to figure out how to reconcile or integrate or separate um, the different kind of modes of music that I'm doing these days. Mm. Just because I kind of got into this thing – uh, the as the story goes, uh, I had this song Chicken Monkey Duck, which sure, is on, of course. a record that you mentioned earlier. Um, and I got an email from a uh, a guy at a kids radio station. It was like, Hey, how about we play this on our station? I say, Hey, that sounds great. Anything you want to do with it, do it. So, awesome. They play it, and they play it a lot, and it does That's really great. well. And I'm like, Oh wow, well, okay, you know. So it's it's kind of got this little kids radio following and i think oh you know i don't want to be too george lucasy about it and then you know and swap out an aisle you know an entire planet full of awesome wookies for teddy bears but maybe i should do some kid stuff you know and uh, so start doing stuff that is kid friendly with the idea that their parents won't want to murder me you know because it's too cutesy and you know like uh, the idea that you know i just wanted to be oh it'd be great to do something like muppets or you know, Warner Brothers, where everybody can enjoy it. It's got actual music to it, and it's not too playing down to kids, but it is still totally kid-friendly. Um, and so I've done, like, three of those, this breakfast one being, you know, it's, I'm basically saying, like, kids invited, not required kind of thing. <laughs> right. Listen to the Muppets. You probably wouldn't with your, you know, well, who knows, actually, I would. But, um, but you know, a group of adults in a car might not necessarily reach for the Muppets first. Um, those but, are not adults. Yeah, no. that, those are not adults that I want to know. Those are not my kind of people. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I mean, like I said, I, I I would still do that. But uh, <laughs> but the thing is that uh, there are still I do still have like ideas for songs that I would very much like to do. You know, an album or just songs that are intended for adults. And so that's where I'm kind of at this like, all right, what am I doing? Am I gonna? Am I gonna? I should have probably called the kid stuff by a different name if I was going to be like, I'm going to do kid stuff. Um, or I'd come up with a, uh, yeah, whatever. I was going to say come up with an adult thing, but at that point, I've already made an adult album. I'm not going to make, you know, how about this? Every album, I'm going to call it a different name and I'm going to call myself something different. So there that you go. Every, every instance of me only has one record. 
There you go. Someday somebody be like, did you know those seven people are all the same person? <laughs> it, it, it's funny. I'd say that's kind of crazy, but honestly, in this like totally digital culture, it, you could probably pull it off pretty easily. Right. Well, the only thing, it'd be great if you didn't want anybody to find your other stuff, because the great thing about having a consistent name is they go, what else has he done? Yeah, of course. But that's also the not great thing. If they're looking for kid stuff, if they're like, oh, that was cute. What else has he done? And then it turns out this stuff is not necessarily appropriate for kids. Not that I've always, I'm always, as you know, pretty clean. Yeah. Hard and firm stuff is not clean. Nope. But my own stuff is clean. It's just not necessarily you know, the same thing with the uh, adults reaching for, you know, a kid's record. Odds are these kids might not be interested in, you know, songs about, uh, what do I have songs about? Uh, a dance song that the guy gives up halfway through? Yeah. yeah I guess I can do that. But yeah. So, so I'm kind of <laughs> in the middle of the, I think I'll release this as a kid's record when it's all done. And then probably start doing songs for, uh, uh, eh, I don't know. I'm over. I also I also overthink things. Yes, I I I suffer from the same uh, problem, so I totally relate. Um, speaking of hard and firm, you did release a song that I did a small article on since the last time we spoke, which is of course um, she's giving me Gersperms that you had done with uh, the Swedish Chef and with Mr. Yeah. Chris Hardwick, um, which I quite enjoyed, mostly because of how ridiculous it was. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, how much, how, what was it like to record a song with a Muppet? Um, that, was yeah. it, was it surreal? It was crazy. Oh yeah. Cause, uh, I mean, you know, it was, as soon as you see Swedish chef, you're immediately, you know, seven years old. Yep. Um, and he's very big. He's, he's not a little tiny, like hand puppet. He's like a, a he looks like, oh, he's in the room. Here he is. You know, he looks like, he's, he's <laughs> Obama walked in the room or something like that all of a sudden and they treat him very, very well. You know, I mean like he's he's you know they don't just kinda like here and throw him across the table or anything, like he's you know, got his handlers and stuff like that. Um and uh and it was funny 'cause we we actually recorded his vocals on the set of the video that we were shooting for the song. So everything was there with some temp, you know, me doing you know, but right. Which I thought was like, eh, it's a pretty good uh, Swedish chef impression until I heard him actually do it. I'm like, oh, nope. we're near it. That's, oh, wow, wow. He's, that's the real voice. That's, that's the perfect voice. Um, and so when I got there, we had this temp thing laid in with the idea being that we will sneak off halfway through. We'll do a couple things, you know, we'll shoot until he can get there. Um, and then we will go. And Swedish, oh, by the way, I say he, Swedish chef is done by two guys. Uh, one of whom does the voice, and then uh, the other guy does hands. So it's actually, you know, Swedish Chef is two dudes. Uh, <laughs> the guy who does the voice came over to this, like, you know, as soon as he got there, we went to, I think, either a van or an SUV, and I had set up, like, a laptop and a tiny mic stand, and we just recorded in this, you know, in this SUV for half an hour. I very quickly cut it together, you know, into to take the best, you know, pieces of everything, turn it around, give it to the sound guy so that he can record to it. So he basically recorded his track and then lip synced to it within like an hour. So wow. It was a crazy fast, like it wasn't just the, come over to the studio, we'll hang out, and we'll record at leisure, we'll cut it together the next day or two. Like it was like, bah, 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 bah. it was really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, the video yeah. seems like a lot of fun. Um, and it's just, you know, 
the the it's just it's one of those things that i didn't know was coming out and then like it shows up in my in my facebook feed and i see it either you or chris shares it and i'm like wait what no no we were the first we were the first of the the u2 generation to just make it on your computer and you have to delete it if you don't like it yeah right exactly but uh but i loved the song i thought it was hilarious and silly and ridiculous and uh and it's, it's always fun, you know, because I follow you guys separately as well as obviously it's Hard and Firm, but you guys haven't put out as much Hard and Firm stuff together. So it's always nice when something that both of you worked on pop, pops up because, you know, I love your individual yeah. careers, but also the team of Hard and Firm is unbeatable as well. Oh, thanks, man. We actually just performed uh, together for the first time in quite a while at the San Francisco Sketch Fest oh, nice. uh, over the weekend. Yeah, we did a... Uh, a tribute to Weird Al. Oh, I saw that. I saw a yeah. post about it. That's that's cool. It was really yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Um, that was the next thing I wanted to actually ask. Going back to your your full length record, um, you have a song yeah. on it with Weird Al called Street Meat. Um, yeah. How did the concept for Street Meat come about? Is it something that you just sort of had the idea first and then built a song around it, or did the music kind of lend you to go, "Hey, this sounds like a song that could be about Street Meat"? Um, that was a I think that, yeah, that was in DC. I think my wife was the first, uh, first, man, first person to, uh, actually she and I were walking along right outside the white house and, uh, God, what is it? How is it? Uh, yeah, she, I think she was pregnant and she you know, wasn't supposed to be eating, you know, too much of anyone thinking this or that. And, uh, and so there was street meat, you know, there was a street cart and she just kind of goes, street meat, you taught me. And I was like, ha, ah, there you go. That's pretty good. And then I just like, Hey, how about that? You know, how would you feel? And so I ran over real quick and uh, started recording what is the basic, like, you know, chorus to it. And then, yeah. And then from there, just try to fill it out. But that one totally started with, uh, street meat. Yeah. Nice. Is she the female vocalist also, on the choruses in the in the actual track? She is not. Uh, that is uh, that was our babysitter at the time. But that's that's the thing about uh, Los Angeles is you have like it is the craziest talents around you. Um, the uh, the woman who was babysitting for us at the time this was her like you know day job. But she was a uh, a really really talented actor and uh, singer named Danielle Kaplowitz. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just happened to you know I'm talking about it and I'm like hey, I think I think I'm gonna have a, try to get a you know like a real singer you know and either my wife had told me that she sings or she was like oh yeah you know I sing and so I just said is there any chance you'd want to uh, and like, I think it was like while she was babysitting my kid like my kid was off to the side and she came inside and you know into the studio and did all the vocals, which is actually the first time I've had somebody sing uh, background vocals, the second time being this, uh, just this last song, the What Makes the Breakfast, with uh, a woman named Angel Lakita Moore, who is also really talented, and also pregnant at the time that she uh, sang it, which is kind of weird. Oh, you know what? Danielle wasn't pregnant. I just combined the two ideas. (laughs) Um, She did become pregnant, not at that recording, but later. All right. All right. Well, you know, hey, the the devil's in the details, right? It's a very fertile environment. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Are you trying to say, Mike Furman, that you breed fertility around you with your music? I breed fertility. I don't know. It's an interesting. Um, <laughs> it is a it is a very uh, yeah. It's a fun place, but um, not into anything. But um. But the uh, what's up? 
No, so I was going to say, um, so it's, it's interesting to hear how the, the song, a song like that specifically came about. Is that typically how you make a lot of your comedy songs, essentially? Is the punchline first? Like, do you come up with the idea and then kind of build music around it? Uh, yeah, usually. I think, I think I have kind of two song types that I tend to do, which are there's the, uh, the hook and just an idea of like, oh, like street paint, where it's like, right. that's kind of a catchy little earworm, and I like it, and it, you know, and I, there could be more to it. And then that one requires a lot of writing. That one requires, okay, so verse, verse, and the thing, and, and towards the end, that song kind of goes into like this kind of second half, where it's not related to the first half, kind of, the little dream sequence thing. Yeah. It was kind of an ordeal, because I was not sure how I was going to get back to the beginning part. And I think I was listening to like a Merlin man talk at uh, the um, Maximum Fun Con. Um, and he had this, you know, he was doing the talk about, you know, sometimes you just, whatever your ideas are, you're trying to force ideas into this and that. Sometimes you can't let them be themselves and don't force them or something like that. And I just had this like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to try to force it. It's just going to be its own section and it's going to ride out until the end. So that one <laughs> rides out to the end because of a Merlin Manspeed. Um, but yeah, that one, those kinds where they just start as a hook or they start as some kind of just, you know, fun little percussive phrase or something like that. Um, those ones are fun, but they're a little more work and uh, they're not the one I prefer. The type that I prefer are ones where it's just a musical joke, where it's like, uh, like kind of clear the floor or yeah. uh, or the one where the guy falls asleep and the, you know, the the irony and wine. Irony and wine, yeah. Like that, they're just like, it doesn't matter what the lyrics are really. It's just like the whole, you know, it's a spoof of a song. I, I guess what I'm saying is I, the, of the two types, a song that you really write out and the kind that it doesn't matter what the lyrics are because you're spoofing it, I'd prefer to do more of the second. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, well, I guess your Wookiee would fall into that category as well, which you released ages ago on um, on your website, which is also, you know, uh, a spoof of an older song, um, a parody, if you will. Um, right. Although I don't do, I feel like with Weird Al do, being the parody, I don't really, I, that that was, there. Have been, I've done a couple parodies, but usually I kind of, like, if I do have a parody idea, I'm like, hmm, nah. That <laughs> feels like that's already. Well, it's kind of hard to compete with Weird Al, the man who's ubiquitous yeah. with parody. I mean, the dude's been doing let, parody for a long time. I'll let him have those. Yeah, that's. I'll just, yeah, I'll be nice. I'll let him. Okay. No, he's got that cornered, so I'm fine just developing my whatever it is. My next question is something I know I've asked you before, but I'm, I'm, I would love for the audience who will be listening to this to hear the answer. With a song like Chicken Monkey Duck, which clearly really has three lyrics. Um, four. Four. Oh, right. Four. Sorry, at the end, right. Um, how do you, how did you memorize that song when you first wrote it? Cause I'm sure that you wrote it just kind of, it, it was more probably improv initially, but then you had to perform yeah. it. So how did you memorize the lyrics? Um, the same way that I have memorized, uh, the pie song with Chris, mm -hmm. um, and let's see, there's another one that I just had to start memorizing. Well, basically uh, repetition. I just have to put it on loop and just commit for the next month. You know, however many, whenever I have a chance, I'm watching dishes. If I'm driving somewhere, that song is playing, and I'm just listening to it constantly. And, and it makes me. And actually, I think it's. Uh, it doesn't make me crazy, but it, it's 
a little, you know, it's a little tedious, you know, obviously, but for some reason it'll just, it starts to become musical. And so now, you know, after enough times I can hear it as music, you know what I mean? Like it's right. uh, there's actually a really interesting uh, article somewhere. I don't even remember who did it, but they were showing how if you take normal speech and you take a clip of it and you play it on a beat, like, you know, if you find the rhythm to it and you repeated it over and over and over and over, it'll start to sound musical. So like even just like what I just what I just said right there, like it'll start to become musical. If you played that over and over, it'll start to become musical. It'll start to become mu- that will eventually start to register as music to you, such that if you went back and listened to it in context of the sentence again, it'll sound like I all of a sudden just bust into song for a second and then come back to talking. Interesting. So I think that's kind of what's happening is I'm listening to it so many times that it just everything has like this musical little flow to it and it feels like lyrics even though it's literally like you said like the same three song three words over and over just you know freestyled um one of the things that i really love about your live show and i got to see when you opened for chris when he was here ages ago a couple years uh, quite a number of years ago he was playing in brooklyn yeah. and you opened up for him you have a wonderful um looping machine song that you do right which I enjoy. That's obviously completely legit and yeah, incredible course. looping skills. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Where did the concept for that, because that's clearly something that flies better live. You, recording it, it doesn't have the same effect because it's all about the performance aspect of it. Where, oh, did, yeah. where did the concept for that come from? Was it just because looping had been so popular in the culture at the time or is it something that you kind of always just wanted to do? Yeah, no, I think that was just, I think it was just that I'd seen it a bunch and, you know, and when I say a bunch, I just seemed like I had toured with, uh, Chris and I had, had gone on a short tour with Reggie Watts oh, there you go. and, you know, I, I, I kept saying like Andrew Bird did it and, uh, Teresa, wait, Teresa, I can't remember her name, but there was a, uh, a musician at the time who like had, you know, a video of her doing it in her kitchen and stuff. So just, you know, a couple of those and I was like, it'd be really funny. It would be if I'm, it doesn't matter if I blow up to the audience, I guess, but yeah, but, you know, it'd be really funny if just start getting into impossible sounds and there you go. I also just love doing sound effect music. So the, the second that there was like a, Oh, I wonder if they could get that kind of sound out of it. Oh, if they couldn't, why not just record a sound effect of it and then do that? Oh my God, I got to do that. So yeah, it's, it's one of the opportunities sound effects. I will jump at that. Well, it's also that moment in the audience when you're sitting and you lean over to pick something up and the fart sound comes across the mic and then you start to freak out and scramble so it doesn't loop in and it loops in and then you just let it go. And it's like, it's moments like that. Those laughs are so big because up until that moment, like there's a good minute of the gag where it seems pretty legit where you're looping the music, you're playing the guitar and all that stuff and, and tapping stuff. And then it hits that moment where the fart happens. We're like, Hmm, I wonder. And then the plane and the other stuff. And you know, it's, it's, it's a great punchline. I really enjoy that gag. I think also at the time when you'd released it, it was, yeah. Reggie Watts was pretty much everywhere. So yeah. And I was also very careful, like right around that time I was saying at the beginning of it that, you know, I, I'm a, uh, I am a, friend and fan of Reggie Watts and you know he is a genius I think we all know that um there is no it's not taking a shot at him at all like I felt like I needed to really qualify like hey look I am not making fun of Reggie through doing this this is literally you know just a you know and then I was told a little after that like you don't have to say that I think people don't think it's gonna be but I I was very concerned I didn't want anybody to think I'm I'm making fun of him because I, there's nothing to make fun of. He's yeah. also he's also you know got a sense of humor, so I'm not making fun of a guy who's doing comedy. 
him that, you know, it'd be one thing if he was, you know, it'd, if anything, it'd be, it's not actually, I was going to say making fun of somebody who's very dramatic about it, but even then, it's just playing with the that style of music. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Um, another song that I wanted to talk about briefly on your full-length record is the final track on the record, which is called Indie, because as a music fan and someone who follows music tropes through the years and has noticed... Yeah things what i like about that song is it pretty much in a nutshell captures the beginning of the indie movement and how it was like leaving this punk emo phase into this indie movement and, and it's just it's a fun song because it's just pretty much calling shots out at that genre and how it had to go kind of pop at the time right yeah and, yeah that was um i haven't i actually haven't heard that in so long it's it's another one of the songs that i uh i have a couple songs that once they're recorded, that was kind of the life of them. Like I'd never, yeah. I'd never performed that song live. Sure. I haven't, I haven't heard it in like in years, but yeah, that was, that was just a fun, uh, a, uh, the old switcheroo on the indie rock. <laughs> so do, does playing live, I'm guessing the answer is no, but uh, so when you're making music, your, your goal is not to make something that you can definitely play live. It's to make something that sounds really great or that's a really great joke. So, people can enjoy it the if you can play it live you figure out later after if i was smart <laughs> i would be making these in a way that i could play them live it is it is a bummer to have like what makes the breakfast i have no idea how i would play it live <laughs> other than to hire a, a band. fine band yeah you know there's no way yeah a couple of these like or even ones that i'm you know that are Quite an undertaking, performance-wise, like uh, the piano one, the uh, uh, one for them, one for me. Yeah. When I was done with that song, you know, I recorded it on piano first, and then recorded it vocals. And the idea of playing those together was horrifying because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a great piano player. I guess I'm okay, but you know, and so but the idea, oh, I got to be able to play this. So I had to spend like a solid month, you know, just practicing that song over and over and over and over until I could finally play live. But yeah, the, and that's just a piano and and vocals. But yeah, it, like sketchy dudes and uh, and street meat. I if I were smart, I would find I would start writing songs that are actually what I do live. Because yeah, they're 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 really you know meant to be uh, just listened to on your stereo or in your car or your headphones right. like that. You know. Well, the fun thing about um, Sketchy Dudes is that you cre pretty much almost create a full, create a full three act play in like right. three minutes, which which I really enjoy. You know, uh, th this idea that the gag is not just that Sketchy Dudes are sketchy because you know that's right. that's that's obvious, especially if you live in Manhattan or L.A. or any other large city where there's people like that. The gag is the, what comes after, and and I, I just enjoy when you get a brief moment of the actual artist's dialogue because the first time when when you the singer is murdered, that's more or less you. You're talking into your sound booth, and it's your personality coming through, which is always fun to get. And then you get the auto-tuned guy who's your friend who put vocals on it, and he gets killed. And you know, and then the character you create for the the cop, and it's just it's it, it's a really well thought out play when you created that song was it the goal always to kind of create this story arc um not, not at first at first it was really just like you know having seen a bunch of sketchy dudes in the, the cities you mentioned um just being you know like the hook just got in my head of one sketchy dude and another sketchy dude um and then when writing it down 
or was it writing it down or recording it? I might have been recording the demo of it, but basically, you know, just thinking like, oh, you know, he should just get killed at the end by a sketchy dude. And then that just kind of like, oh, if he does, then somebody should follow up. It just, you know, I think it was one of the things where the, the song was the first idea and just like, why end it? You know, kind of kicked in and, you know, almost like a, uh, I, I kind of, once it started going, it was kind of like a, oh, I wonder if this could be like a, you know, like a Mr. Show sketch that just keeps going into going. the part and there's no real ending. I would love to actually do someday if I, you know, had plenty of time to just do an album like that that just keeps going into the next thing and without necessarily a through line or anything it just weirdly keeps going you know, birth to the next section but um but yeah but then you know but then once it was done it was like oh yeah then there should be a cop and then pretty ridiculous that in the end the the original sketchy dude voice is the informant you know they just all kind of tied together but uh yeah no originally it was just it was one of those earworm ones that would just once it hooks me something like that like if i've if i've got it in my head and it's got me hooked for like a half an hour or something like that then i'll be like all right if you're hooking me then it i guess it's a hook and i should record that so, right and so in that song also you have a bunch of different sketchy dude voices um are they all you are you doing all those different sketchy dudes in the middle part or did you have other guest vocalists kind of stepping in to do some extra sketchy dudes that is let's see that is me and uh, a friend of mine this guy uh lon sterling um who was a friend who has, he has a great uh he has that very like um, you know, he can do that voice that really, uh, oh, what are the, what are the words? <laughs> that also is a song I haven't heard in a while. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, you know, khakis for women, window window khakis, you know, like that guy. Yeah. yeah. And he was, and he was telling me about a guy who, uh, while we were talking about it, he was telling me about a guy who, you know, was down in the, like shouting in the alley behind him yesterday and, and some of the things the guy was shouting end up in that song because they were just like that, you know, right. Khakis of women, men don't win our khakis. Can you please record that right now? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Well, very cool. And it's true. It's so true. Isn't it though? Obviously. Khakis, I mean, really. Who, who, who really wears khakis? Not me. Yeah, no, right. come on. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say uh, congratulations. I saw you on at midnight very recently on the uh, on the Facebooks, and that's a fun yeah. show. I enjoy watching it, and it's always very funny to see. Um, um, how was that going on on at midnight? Was that a lot of fun to record? Oh yeah, that was that was so much fun. I've I've done it a few times. Um, and that, that particular show, this one that was just on, um, you know, they're, they're all fun. Everybody's, you know, it's Chris and it's very, you know, the, the energy of the place is really fun and everything. But, uh, once it started, it was with Jermaine from Fly of the Concord, sure. a guy named Taika Watiti, um, who's a director and, uh, did a movie. Uh, they, he just worked on a movie with, uh, Jermaine, um, and he's a very nice guy, and uh, they're both from New Zealand. Not that this is necessarily about being from New Zealand, but <laughs> both of their pacing and their tone of answering questions, you know, I the times I've been on it, it was, all right, so, you know, yeah, what's your answer? You know, and then the person will say their answer or their joke or whatever it is, um, and maybe there's some back and forth a little bit, but it's pretty much, you know, he pointed me and be like, Farmer, what do you got? And I'll have my joke, and uh, but he points to Jermaine, and Jermaine has much more of a, like, well, for this one, I was thinking something like, like <laughs> just like half speed, so laid back, <laughs> just made it like. And, and aside from that, he's also both of them hysterically funny. So that right. was 
That 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 uncut, uncensored version online is one of the funniest shows I've ever been a part of. It was so it was really really fun. Cool, awesome. That's great. It, it's it's funny as someone who's followed you and Chris and a bunch of other stuff related to Nerdist since the beginning. It's kind of weird where all of that stuff in nerd culture has ended up. Like he went from being a guy who just kind of blabbed on about nerd stuff to being like at the forefront of nerd stuff, which is cool to right. see. Yeah. 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 Um, he's an unstoppable force. He is an unstoppable force. That, that Chris Hardwick. Um, well, he's actually, and I've told him this a couple of times when I've met him, he's the reason I started a blog and a podcast because, you know, nice. his his book kind of motivated me like, oh, yeah, I can do this shit. Why don't I? Nice. So, so that's always fun to share. Um, yeah, that's really cool. But um, so the next thing I wanted to ask, since you're kind of just doing the songs as you go along and your your goal is eventually an album of some shape. Um, and since uh, uh, What Makes the Breakfast just came out, do you have another song in the pipeline? Have you started working on something else or is it just this one just came out and you're going to let that mature um, for a bit? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I definitely have a, you know, a little a little collection of having the kids and uh, spending time with the kids and stuff um, and all the work that goes to having the kids and stuff. Um, <laughs> my wife and I, if I uh, have not made it clear, uh, divide the work with the kids and stuff. So uh, <laughs> much of the time is spent with the kids and stuff. And there is a lot of, like I say, if there's an earworm or something like that, uh, a hook, I will jot it down. And now the list of jottables is very long. Um, whereas the amount of stuff recorded is very short. So there are a few things that are options uh, to start work on immediately. Um, but as I was mentioning earlier about the uh, moment of, all right, what am I doing? What, what kind of, I'm slightly trying to balance what tone to keep going forward in, like cause I have, you know, another kid song in mind, but it would pretty much be a kid song. And then that presents the whole, all right, so... That's when I don't really perform live at a, at a comedy show or anything, which is a little bit of a bummer because I don't really perform for kids. You know, I have never done a kid's show itself. Mm -hmm. You know, That's not necessarily who I started out as and when I practice or anything. Um, and then, but then I don't want to do, an, a, you know, just a straight up not accessible to kids thing since I'm going in that direction and would like to put out that album pretty soon. So I am ending up where... I'm going to try to just do stuff that can appeal to both. Just oh. in the, like, I'm just going to do stuff that I think is weird and fun and uh, and would hopefully be weird enough to play for both my wife and my kids sitting down at the same time and not have either one be like, I got to go, you know. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I, I'm going to look at what I got and uh, go for hopefully the weirdest one. Or just do, like, you know, a kid, kid like, straight-up kid song that would only take a day or two to record or something like that. But sure. This last one took so much time and then to not be able to record it, I mean, to not be able to perform it uh, is a kind of a bummer. Did it take so much time because it's, you know, there's a little more complexity just in the fact that there's a lot of instruments and stuff. Is that what made it take so long? Um, yes, but also because of the amount of time it takes to do that. I mean, like the, the amount of time I come out here, um, I mean, the amount of time I spend in the studio, you know, is, short you know it'll be like right. just a few hours a day if that and uh and so the, for a complex song like that where it's you know if i had just done 
guitar, shaker, tambourine, maybe, you know, something like that. That song could have been done. And even then, it would still probably, I'm also kind of a perfectionist, and I will do kind of a Stanley Kubrick of takes. So I'll record and record and record and record. Um, and it's also fun. I will sometimes record over and over again, even if I got it, because it was fun to do, and uh, why not? Sure. But um, that said, yeah, it took a long time just because there's not very many hours out here and recording each one of those by myself. Also, if I was smart, I would probably bring in musicians who are better than me so it doesn't take me an entire day to do one guitar track and then the whole next day doing a keyboard track, I would have a guitar player record for an hour, a keyboard player record for the next hour, or bring them all in perform the exact same time and be done in real time. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you can and you do what you can, and so you know, as a fan, the product is fantastic. So I appreciate what you do, regardless oh, of thanks, man. the intelligence that leads you there. One. What's that? I said, regardless of the intelligent track that leads you there, I approve of the final product. Well, thank you. So um, obviously, then with the kids and with everything else, and you're saying that you haven't really been performing live lately. There's no intent for a tour to do shows anywhere anytime soon not at the moment i would love to but it's gonna have to be a uh a thing i put together i mean if i if i uh in theory if it all went uh the way i uh would like it to if i do like say two or three songs starting right now mm-hmm. that are new songs i would feel comfortable going out and doing those around you know wherever i don't know what kind of tour i would be planning but with somebody or you know opening for somebody or whatever but uh but right now yeah i don't do too much just because i don't have that much new stuff and i i get kind of bored playing you know if i'm just playing the same four songs or five songs or six whatever it is mm-hmm. it, you know it just doesn't seem like uh, I'd, I'd rather be spending that time here doing new things sure new stuff so uh but yeah if i if i can uh as soon as I can bang out three new uh, playable songs, uh, I would love to go out and perform some more. Very cool. Now I have a really hard-hitting question um, yes. that is inspired and by one of my... And then and you got to go? Yeah, then I'm going to have to... Uh, the aforementioned kids are going to be uh, needing some aforementioned time. No problem. I totally understand. I thank you for taking the time that you have. It's a pleasure to get to talk to you again. But so the final hard-hitting question is inspired. I had asked this in a previous interview. I was inspired by my best friend, Katie Delaney. What's your favorite kind of pie? Favorite kind of pie? That's a great question. Hmm. Uh, my default is uh, apple pie a la mode. Mm. Warmed up, of course, or preferably fresh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to say apple pie a la mode. Although I did just have an olala berry, which I didn't even know what the hell that was, but it was awfully good. <laughs> so if you ever see one of those, you'll be in pretty good shape. All right. Well, that's what is your favorite kind of pie? Did you already answer that on the show? And I just I, I actually haven't. No one's asked me that question. Thank you for asking. Favorite? Yeah. My favorite kind of pie is actually apple pie as well, but I prefer it cold with ice cream on it. I like it fresh, but then in the fridge for a few hours with a little bit really? of ice cream on time. Yeah. Like me oh, some your stuff, because then yours is like almost always ready, because you yeah. can just pull that out of the fridge and it's ready to go. There you go. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, Michael, you, Mike, ever do the, you ever do the uh, cheese on the pie? No, is that a thing? People do cheese. Yeah, on that's pie? like I think that's supposed to be like the real hardcore American. Probably before there was ice cream, I guess uh, you would have apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese. Interesting. I might have to try yeah. that. 
Yeah. That's an interesting. I had not heard that before. Educational too. Funny, fun, and educational. Thank you, Mike Furman. This is this is a pleasure. Um, I will try and going forward, let's not catch up once every five years. Let's uh, let's do another interview maybe next year sometime. That sounds good, man. But um, thank you for taking the time, and I appreciate everything. Um, I will post links to the new song in the post when it goes up. It's a bi-weekly show, so I have a couple of banks, so it'll probably come out in about a month or so. But as soon as it does, I'll shoot you a message on Facebook so you can share it around. That's great. Thanks, man. And hey, good luck with the rest of the show. Good luck with the, until I talk to you again. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Take care of yourself. All right, buddy. You too. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.